And that's the story that we've just had read by Ollie. And it's the story I want to focus upon for a few minutes. A few minutes in the service, remember, in which there is offered in the last hymn the anointing with oil here. And then there are chairs where members of the healing prayer team will be behind as long as they need to be for people who want prayer for specific uh, requests following brief conversations. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Or in older translations, do you want to be healed? It can easily appear, can't it, to be one of the most ridiculous questions that Jesus has ever asked anybody. It's a bit like asking a child who's been naughty, do you want to smack? I mean, there's an obvious answer, no. But let's just think about it for a moment. This man was a beggar. He'd been a beggar for years and years, for decades. He's lived off, lived off the donations of others, whether it's family, friends, and strangers. And let's just pause. In some countries, and we find it hard to countenance, but we don't live in those countries and contexts, parents sometimes deliberately maim their children so they're beggars who have demonstrable deformities. So if this man were healed, he would lose his livelihood, such as it is. He would lose being the object of pity, which might sound ridiculous, but you can get into a mode of needing it. And he would suddenly have to be responsible for himself in terms of work and resources. And remember, he's an old man. If he's been there 38 years, we can reasonably assume he's over 45 at a time when the life expectancy was about 45. So it's not quite such a silly question as it sounds. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Because lurking beneath it is, do you want to stay as you are or do you want to be changed? And we can ask ourselves that same question. When I had my ankle op done and I was in the boot, remember? Remember the boot? All my sons used to say, oh, it's das boot again every time I saw me. It was great how many people stood up to let me sit down on the bus and the tube. And then the week I took the boot off, nobody did. And I remember thinking to myself, waiting for the 44 bus, I don't need the boot anymore, but it might be just be a good thing to wear it anyway, and then I might get a seat. Have we got so comfy with our lives, even if in truth our lives aren't really much how we'd like them to be, but we've got lazy, we've got routinized, we've got settled, we've got even content. Because change, do you want to be made well, looks more and more daunting. So, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to change? It's a less silly question than we might think it is. And perhaps some of us, like the man, understandably, 
got so used to being as they are, even though we know that's not how we should be. And like the man, perhaps some of us here in the church this morning have never before met Jesus Christ. And if that's you, then I and many, many people in this church congregation want to bear testimony to Jesus' power to heal and to change, to make us better in all sorts of ways, not just physically. So today is, in this healing service, uh, an invitation to to positively respond to Jesus, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven like the hymn says. Jesus says to you, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be better? Ah, some of us say, we've met Jesus many, many times before, so Atkins, he's not speaking to us this morning. Yes, I am, and I'm speaking to myself. Jesus says the same thing to us. Long in the tooth disciples, do you want to be made well? Because... Actually, it's in the human condition that all of us have hurts that it becomes easier to hold on to them than to actually have them healed and addressed and made better. We seasoned Christians have a tendency to get used to our lot and not to seek to be made better when we need to. We pray things like this, Lord Provide me with a more comfortable mat while I lay here at the side of the pool of Bethesda in the portico. In other words, Lord, bless and anoint my life as it is because I'm content with it. Please, please don't radically change anything. I couldn't cope. So to us, long-time disciples of Jesus, his question isn't irrelevant. It's a real one. Do we want to be made better? Do we want to be made well? Or just tucked up into bed and left alone a little bit warmer, a little bit safer than we were before? But you see, and this is the point, or the first point, Before you can change, you must decide that you want to be changed. Before you can change, you must decide that you want to be changed. Before you can be healed, there's a sense in which you must decide that you want to be healed, that it's a possibility. Where are we with that this morning? The second thing I want to talk about follows on. Look at verse 7. Do you want to be made well? Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm making my way, someone always beats me to it. Have you noticed it's a politician, so with apologies to all politicians, it's a politician's answer to Jesus' question, meaning that the ill man doesn't answer it. He doesn't say whether he wants to be made well or not. He just offers excuses. He tells how unfortunate he is. He lists the poor situation. He outlines his complaints. In my first circuit, nearly 40 years ago now, I know you can't believe it, but it's true. 
There was a couple who at that time, to me at least, seemed very old, though in reality, looking back, they can't have been a much different age to which I am now. In those pre-computer, pre-GDPR days, ministers used to keep little card indexes, and they kept the names and the addresses of church members on them. And on the back of the little cards, they kept notes about when they visited them. And sometimes any kind of special, invita- special information that the succeeding minister might just pick up. And on the card for this couple, let's call them George and Linda, the previous minister to me had written, they enjoy bad health. They enjoy bad health. And having spent five years there, in the West Yorkshire district, they did. And perhaps you know people like George and Linda. Perhaps we're a bit like George and Linda ourselves. Folk whose main conversation is a long list of ailments and complaints. Because they're victims. And sometimes victims with very good cause. Because awful, even terrible things have happened to some of us during our lives. Which, just as a little sidelight, is why so many of us are so deeply moved and affected by someone who has had truly awful things happen to them and yet are buoyant and optimistic and outgoing, a victor rather than a victim. That's why it's so impressive. But another thing about George and Linda was that they blamed everybody else for their lot. It was always somebody else's fault. It was society's fault, or the doctor's fault, or the nurse's fault, or the children's fault, or the neighbor's fault. It was anybody but them. And the man by the pool does this. Notice later in the story, even after he's been cured, notice that word because you can't render it healed. It's a different Greek word. That's another sermon another day. Notice when he's being cured and he's being questioned by the Jewish leaders, asking him why he's breaking the Sabbath law by carrying his mat. What does the blighter do? He blames Jesus. It's not me, Gov. No, no. I'm carrying my mat. I'm breaking the law on the Sabbath because he told me that's what I ought to do. He's got in this real complaint blame game, this guy. Now, we're right to feel sorry for such people. Like this man by the pool, he's alone, he's lame, there's no evidence of family and friends in the story, he's isolated, understandably we can assume he might be quite depressed. I've got no one to help me, he says, and there's a sense in which our heart goes out to him. But in that conversation he has with Jesus, He's put in this place where he has to choose whether he'll accept that he now has someone to help him and to accept that help or to continue to complain and to enjoy bad health. You see, if we want to be made well and healed and made better, then we, like the man by the pool, must decide that we want to be changed and that that involves changing. That we want to be changed and that that involves changing. 
Of course, we might be doing this man a disservice. You might be thinking already, you hard-nosed so-and-so. Perhaps he's like many of us. And in spite of all his complaints and blame game, he's like the person that Alison talked of earlier. He feels undeserving of healing. I'm a sinner. I can't be forgiven. Nobody knows how bad a sinner I am. And he may have come to believe that he's got what he deserves. After all, there's that enigmatic sentence near the end of our reading where Jesus meets the cure man in the temple. Presumably he's gone there to offer a thank offering as the Lord required. And Jesus says, see you have been made well. And he uses the same word as cured. But that's another sermon. Do not sin anymore. Otherwise something even worse might happen to you. Which is not a statement that if you sin, something bad always happens to you. It is, look at the state you were in before, stop sinning, otherwise you could even finish up in a worse position because you've put yourself there. So he doesn't feel worthy to be healed, perhaps. And therefore, all this other stuff is just a kind of smokescreen. He's the kind of person who, when an experienced member of the healing team or an experienced pastor hears him talk and he says, I want to be made well because look, and you suddenly think and inspired by the Spirit, you think, this is nothing to do with being an invalid. This is to do with a lack of accepting forgiveness or whatever. Some people aren't healed because they don't feel worthy or that God doesn't want to heal them. But healing, like salvation, same root word for both things, is a gift. And Jesus, effectively, though he doesn't say it verbally, says to this man, I want to heal you. And the man is left with the conundrum, do I receive the gift today or do I leave it unopened because I feel unable to receive it? And of course, he receives it. And the third and last thing, therefore, is this, that we must respond in some way when Jesus comes to us and says, do you want to be made well? So Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And Jesus presents this man with a choice. He can ignore it. He can wish something else might happen, that someone else would do something. I don't mind that, but can you just find me a new cushion? He can persist in feeling that he doesn't deserve to be made well, or he can obey Jesus. And for the first time in 38 years, stand up and walk. It was the end of his Bethesda syndrome. A what, you say? Bethesda syndrome, it's otherwise known as as soon as syndrome. Lots of us have as soon as syndrome. As soon as the pool begins to bubble, I'll... As soon as I get in the water, my life will be better. As soon as I'm healed, I'll... And we do the same. We convince ourselves that our life is nothing more 
than our circumstances. And as soon as our circumstances change and this or that or the other happens, everything will be fine. As soon as I graduate, as soon as I get married, as soon as I'm pregnant, as soon as I get a new job, as soon as she changes, as soon as he changes, as soon as they apologize, as soon as I've lost that weight, as soon as I've had a good break, well, I'll be happy then. It'll be all right. Bethesda syndrome puts life on pause. We sit on our mats year after year, imprisoned by circumstances, waiting for the as soon as to change our lives. And then into the middle of Bethesda syndrome, in our lives as this man's life, Jesus comes and says one day, do you want to be made well? And we've got to choose with all the complex factors, and they're deep and many, to say yes or no. Did you notice that Jesus heals the man not in the pool? Or not the pool? Jesus doesn't cause the pool to bubble and help the man to be the first into it. In fact, Jesus says nothing at all about the pool. There's actually nothing in the story that suggests where he is. After all those years of living by a healing pool, waiting for as soon as, he isn't healed by it. He's healed by Jesus. And our healing service today offers us all another opportunity to say yes to a Christ who comes to us and knows all about us and simply says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be better? And we can say, no, not really. No, I've got comfortable like this. No, or yes, but on my terms. No, I enjoy bad health. No, I'm too sinful. Well, as soon as this happens, maybe, or perhaps just, yes, Lord Jesus, your way today. Thank you. Amen.